Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung. Thank you so very much for joining us to listen to a portion of the series on Esau and the Palestinians. Esau and the Palestinians is a five-hour audio series that deals with tracing from Esau, the twin brother of Jacob, all the way to the present-day Palestinian people. There is a history that needs to be looked at. We need to look at the past. We need to look at prophecy as it relates to what will happen to these descendants of Esau. And then we need to look at the present and see how this is all coming together. That's exactly what we do in the five-hour audio series on Esau and the Palestinians. I hope that this will be a blessing to you as we study the Word of God together. And now, an introduction to Esau and the Palestinians. If you will, take your Bibles and turn with me to the ninth chapter of the book of Romans. Romans chapter 9. There's a verse I want to read which will be the foundation upon which we will study together. Romans chapter 9. You say, Romans chapter 9? I thought we were going to have a prophecy teaching. Well, you're going to find out that Romans 9, 10, and 11 are very, very prophetic. In fact, snuggled between the first eight chapters of Romans, which is doctrinal truth that Paul is teaching, and then those practical applications to that doctrinal truth, from Romans chapter 12 through 16, we find these three chapters that deal with Israel. And Israel being used in light of the doctrinal truth before and the practical application of that doctrinal truth after, these three chapters using Israel as an example of how you make application of doctrinal truth and then how you practically live. I'm not going to deal with the doctrinal truth of Romans. I'm not going to deal with the practical application of it. What I do want to deal in these three chapters with is what we want to look at about Israel, past, present, and future. But let's see the verse which I want to jump off of. Look at verse 13, Romans chapter 9 and verse 13. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. I want to jump off of that verse. It is key to understanding, in my opinion, what's going on today, and not only what's going on today, but what's going to be going on in the very near future, I believe, prophetically sound as we look at the prophetic word of God. The scenario that God laid out over 2,800 years ago is going to be found within the context of this verse. Israel, or Jacob I love, Edom or Esau, I hate. Now, I've added two other words not found in this verse. It says, as it is written, we'll look at Malachi chapter 1, where it was written, where the prophet Malachi, the last of the prophets, just prior to the silent 400 years before the coming of Jesus Christ. We'll look at that before we conclude today. But as it is written, Jacob, I love, Esau, I hate. As this sets the stage for what we're going to be talking about for five sessions, it also is going to show us the character of God. A side benefit of being able to study this will be the character of God. Now when I say that it is written and God speaking through Malachi says, I love Jacob, I hate Esau. This is not a blemish on the character of Almighty God. 
When we think about hate here, and before we conclude today, we'll look at what it's really talking about. Let me just say this. It is not talking about God's emotions as it relates to hating an individual. God does not hate an individual. For God, John 3.16, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God loves individuals. He does hate some things, and one of them is sin, and one of them is rebellion, which would be sin as well. And he says right here, Jacob I hate. Uh, excuse me, Esau I hate. And what it says within that phrase is what we're going to be studying together. Before we go to the Old Testament and look at a history of these two men, twins by the way, the first twins ever recorded in the Word of God, Esau and Jacob. Let's look at Romans 9, 10, and 11 just a moment. I, I made a, a moment, a, a statement just a moment ago that indeed Romans 9, 10, and 11, look at Israel past, that's Romans 9, Israel present, that's Romans 10, and Israel future, that's Romans 11. In Romans chapter 9, we see the recruitment of the Jewish people. In Romans chapter 10, we see the rejection by the Jewish people. And in Romans chapter 11, we see the restoration, once again, of the Jewish people. Looking here in Romans chapter 9, and I'm, again, I'm not ex exegeting necessarily Romans 9, 10, and 11, but I just want to use them to bring forth uh, this statement and, uh, and amplify Jacob I love, Esau I hate. Here in Romans chapter 9, we see the past selection of Israel. The past selection of Israel. And I want to think about three things with you. Look what it's, you know, we start out, Romans chapter 9, verses 1, 2, and 3, with an outstanding statement by the Apostle Paul. When I was teaching personal evangelism on the Word of Life Island years ago, I used to always use this phrase. Paul says, I tell you the truth, I lie not, the Holy Spirit be in my conscience, Romans chapter 9, verse 1, that I have continual heaviness in my heart, sorrow in my heart, and that I would be willing to be a curse, verse 3, and go to hell if I had to, if my brethren, according to the flesh, in other words, the Jewish people, could come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. That introduces this chapter. And then God starts to answer some questions. Why did he select the Jewish people? Why did he select the Jewish people? First of all, he gave them a gift, a gift that they did not deserve, but he gave it to them anyway. Look at verse 4. For who are Israelites? To whom pertaineth the adoption? There's number one gift he gave them, adopting them. When they were orphans, as such, he adopted them. He brought them into a special relationship with him. He made them the chosen people, Deuteronomy chapter 7 says. In addition to that, the glory was another gift. The glory of the Lord hovered over the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies, both in the tabernacle and in the first and second temples. The glory of the Lord was given especially to the Jewish people. When they would carry in battle the, the uh, Ark of the Covenant, the glory of the Lord hovered, except, of course, at the end of a 350-year period of history, when the ark had been resting in the tabernacle at Shiloh. But when the ark rested there in that tabernacle in Shiloh, the glory of the Lord hovered there. When they would go to battle, 
they, uh, the Levites would carry the ark out with the glory of the Lord, giving them victory. When they came across the Red Sea, and when they, came, uh, me, when they came across the Jordan River into the Promised Land, the glory of the Lord hovering over the Ark of the Covenant. He also gave them the covenants. There are th four main covenants that you need to remember. First of all, the Abrahamic covenant, Genesis chapter 15, when he made some absolute promises that cannot be broken, and it's an unconditional covenant. He split animals and then walked, and it's supposed to, they divide the animals in two, then they're to take arm in arm each other, walking between the divided animals, saying to each other, if I break this covenant, I want to be like these animals that have been divided. I've been to the spot where that actually took place in the city of Hebron, where he divided those animals, and instead of walking with Abraham, he put Abraham to sleep, walking alone by himself, saying this was an unconditional covenant. Then he gives Moses a special covenant. It's the 30th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. Many refer to it as the Palestinian covenant. That is a, uh, that's not a proper name for that covenant. It should be called the land covenant. Number one, Israel is never called Palestine any place in the Bible. And uh, over the years, translators and scholars have started to call Israel Palestine, but it is never in the Bible ever called Palestine. It's called Israel twice in uh, the New Testament, and that's the only name that it is called. But it's the land covenant. He said, I'm going to give you that land. I promise to give you that land. 36th chapter of the book of Ezekiel, 35 times God says, I'm going to give you that land. I've made a commitment. Then there's the Davidic covenant, 2 Samuel chapter 7. David wanted to build the temple. David was not allowed to build the temple. He gathered all the manpower. He gathered all the materials. He gathered all the money to build the temple. But his son, then Solomon, was the one given the right to build the temple. And promised in that covenant was that one of his sons would rule over the kingdom that would be set up. And then the new covenant, Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31. The new covenant, we talk about as born-again believers today, those of us who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior involved in the church, that we're in the new covenant church, and especially some of the fundamental guys really say, we're the new covenant people. No, we're not the new covenant people. The new covenant was given, according to Jeremiah 31, 31, to Judah and to Israel, to the Jewish people, the new covenant. We derive benefits from the new covenant, but the new covenant was given to the Jewish people. The book of Ezekiel, again, also commits in the 37th chapter, the everlasting are the new covenant to the Jewish people. So one of the things that God decided in giving the gifts to the nation of Israel as he selected them in the past was to give them their covenants. Thank you very much for joining us in this study of Esau and the Palestinians. Now this is a five-hour audio series. You have just been able to listen to a portion of the introduction to this series. It's an audio series on CD and it's available to you. You can call our toll-free number, 877-674-3298, or you can go to our website, www.prophecytoday.com, and go to our shopping mall and order your copy of the audio series on CD of Esau and the Palestinians. This series will help you to understand better what is going on in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict today and what God's plan is for the future. 
Thank you very much for joining us for this Bible study, and I hope it will help you to realize that the coming of Jesus Christ is close at hand. But before he comes back to the earth, at least seven years before that, he will shout, the archangel will shout, the trouble of God will sound, and we'll be caught up to be with him at the rapture of the church. By the way, that could happen at any moment. And having said that, nothing left for me to say except let's keep looking up until...